0: A transgender MMA fighter, Fallon Fox, broke the eye socket of his opponent, a female, Tamika Brent's skull, by TKO in the first round of their match. Tamika said, quote, I've never felt so overpowered ever in my life, and I am an abnormally strong female in my own right. A man calling himself a woman punches a female in the face and society praises him for it. Is this right, knowing that biologically men... Have larger muscle mass than women? This illustrates how a lack of a biblical worldview in society has created mass confusion about gender roles. But this confusion should not be found among God's people, the church. Christ, the head, directs the body. Under Christ, the head, the apostle Paul wrote, Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Verses like this may seem offensive, but in the light of God's gospel, there is clarity. How can we understand complementarianism in an egalitarian world? Please join us as we take time to stop and
1: think about it. Hello? Hello, anybody home? I don't think, McFly, think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. do not say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It, a podcast for the Christian thinker in a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment and the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual. This podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it.
0: Welcome friends and foes, saints and sinners, to another episode of Stop and Think About It, where today we discuss how we can understand complementarianism in an egalitarian world. So Steve and Glenn, are you ready to dive into this topic?
2: Yes. Yes, we are.
0: All right. So apologetics one on one, we have to actually define the terms complementarianism and egalitarianism.
2: So brothers, can we define these terms? Well, complementarianism is basically that God created men and women as equal, and they're equal in value, personhood, but they have different roles.
0: Okay.
3: Anything to add to that, Steve? No, but egalitarianism <laughs> is basically the opposite. So, though it recognizes that God created male and female differently, there are no specific roles for male or female all gender roles are wiped away. We're equal in every aspect. So whatever a man could do, spiritually gifted, a woman should be able to do exactly the same. So there are no distinctions within gender roles. We're equal across the board.
0: So the complementarian... Uh, role or definition is that men and women are equal in value and personhood yet they do have different roles both in society and especially in the local church but the other view the egalitarianism view we're created equal but the fall created a disorder in that relationship and redemption with christ restores that and showing no difference as to our roles that's pretty accurate so why do we why is there so much confusion over the roles? Like where does this stem from?
3: From feminism.
2: And I would say from men abdicating their authority.
0: Hmm. Do you think that we see that uh all throughout the
2: media? I'm a big movie and TV buff and I try to find shows that are godly. And even in the best shows Good luck. Even in the best <laughs> shows, they, 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 they really destroy the distinction between men and women. Men are usually bumbling idiots. Like Homer Simpson. Yeah, yeah.
0: Family Guy, I think, is out there exactly, somewhere. Exactly. And
2: and there's a big a big rise in women power, which you think, that's good. Why would you be against women power? But it always seems to be in the diminishing of men and that a complete distortion of what the roles are.
3: And an unrealistic power. So mm. you have these movies with superheroes that – The women are the tough, macho type, and the men are these little pansies who uh, follow the women, and the women take on these roles as conqueror and warrior, but we don't see that in reality. Who goes to war in countries? It's the men who go to war and fight. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. It's not the
3: women. In fact, we learned this at a young age. In third grade, I'm in the schoolyard. I get beat up by the bully. If I run home and come back with my big sister and say, you're in trouble now—
2: I'm the laughing stock of the schoolyard because I went home and got my sister to fight my battles. Right, so so egalitarianism is kind of like the counter view from common sense.
0: <laughs> yes, nicely said. And we know that common sense
2: is not so common. Right, so, so egalitarianism, in order to make it work, it's based on the idea that men had this superiority before, and so we have to then tilt it the scale so now women are superior. So egalitarian believes the full created this
3: distortion of roles where the men began to dominate and take authority over women. And in Christ that is Eradicated. done away with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it, they believe that in Christ it goes back to the original creation when right. men and women were created equal in everything.
2: Right. But it but in society. They're trying to skew it the other way. And that's why we're seeing all these like you talked about the the um MMA fighter. Yes. They're saying, Well, men have dominated and now women need to dominate. No, it's But that's not a woman. Right. But that's not a woman. That's a man in a dress. And so in in distorting it, they you have to flip everything. You know who woman of the year was? Uh, I think it was um Bruce Jenner. Bruce Jenner, correct. Correct. <sighs> right. Yeah. How
0: can that why, be woman why? of the year?
2: I had, I had a have a coworker who a woman who was livid about that. She was very upset. But In order to make egalitarianism work, you have to to skew it the complete opposite direction.
3: And what's what's absurd is feminism would be promoting this transgender ideology, and they're hurting women.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So so let's get to let's let's kind of leave out of the secular world because it's it's all sin stained, nothing good there. Yeah, we need to go to find out well how did this start?
0: Yeah, so. We have to go to the place that, we, that all things start. But and before we do that, is this in the
3: church?
2: Yes. Sure. Yes. yes. So I, the world is confused
3: about gender roles. Should the church be confused about gender roles?
2: I would say the church shouldn't be confused, but Why? they are.
3: What do we have that the world doesn't have? We have the scriptures. The word of God. We have clarity but in the scriptures. God has been showing us for 2000 years how different gender roles work together, how he created them. But there is much confusion because the church is going to the world for advice instead of going to God's ordained plan found in Scripture. Well,
2: the previous broadcast we did was on biblical worldview, and that's the thing. They don't have a biblical worldview, and so they don't know how to deal with this issue.
3: They go to Oprah and Dr. Phil instead of the Apostle Paul and Moses.
0: So let's go back to the garden. In Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. Now, check this out. This is the first time we see that God says something is not good because what does he say all the other times?
2: It is good. It is good. And then after he
3: created man, he said,
2: It's very good. Very
0: good. Very good. Right? And so he says, I will make him a helper fit for him. And then he continues, now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Now he's getting from making man into talking about animals. This seems odd, but let's read the next verse. So he says, and whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So it's very interesting that he goes from, he's going to make a woman to now
3: we have this, this naming of animals, naming
0: of animals. And it It almost seems like it doesn't fit,
3: but it does fit. Moses is writing and he's doing something here. God is doing something. He's showing something. And what is he showing us? Phil, he's showing us authority. God's established authority that he placed upon Adam. So we
0: notice that Adam is naming the animals. His authority is established because when you name something, you show your authority over that thing.
3: Who changed Abram's name to Abraham? It was God. And Sarai's name to Sarah. Still God.
2: And and don't forget about uh, uh, Jacob to Israel.
0: Yes, that's right. And don't forget Judas to mud. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I try to forget that one. <laughs>
0: yes. And so who names the animals? It's Adam. And he says, okay, there's a he lion and a she lion. There's a he penguin and a she penguin. There's a he giraffe and a she giraffe. And he didn't like any of them. Mm-hmm. And so he needed someone to compliment him.
2: And, and you could say that he's basically, on top of showing his authority, he's also showing, he's showing Adam that is not good, that he is alone.
3: Well, in verse, in Genesis 1, listen to what God says. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That's pretty clear. So here now, God shows us Adam's dominion by Adam actually naming the animals. That's right. That's right. And then what happens just after that point, it says the Lord
0: God caused a deep sleep to fall upon a man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with the flesh and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then listen to what Adam says. The man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man.
2: So two things happen there. One, they're equal. They're made from the same substance. And also he has dominion because he names her.
0: And so notice the order of things that took place. We see that the woman was made for the man. The woman was made from the man. Adam was purposely created first. The woman was made after the man. And the woman was brought by God to the man. And then once again, who named the woman woman? it was adam just as he named the animals and had authority over the animals now he names eve the woman he names her eve now that doesn't mean that as some might say well does that mean that eve is equal to an animal no because he's to become one flesh with her not one flesh with king kong
2: so so to wrap it in a bow we're establishing this created order before the fall
0: absolutely All right. and so We need to look to the fall at this point in Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, where we see the first role reversal. And how does that go? Not well. Not well well at all. all. So we read, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So I got to ask you the question, do we think Adam was like with her the whole time?
3: Is he standing there? Probably not. Probably not. Because here's the thing, we have to back up a little. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Crafty. See, he approached Eve not Adam. when her head wasn't around. Ah. And isolated her and then began to question God's word. And Eve didn't have Adam to reiterate what God said and correct her as her head. And she was deceived, the Bible says, and she believed the lie. And so she ate. And then when she ate, she took the fruit to Adam. The Bible says he was not deceived. He willingly followed Eve when he should have been leading her. The leader turned into a follower and the follower turned into a leader. Wow. The reversal. So we see the first role reversal that brought sin into the world. And now they're hiding behind a bush. God comes knocking on the
0: door and says, is the man in the house home? When he says, Adam, where are you? Yeah. He doesn't address the woman. He nope. addresses the head of the house. And right. Adam blames his wife. Here starts the blame game.
3: So Steve, what do we see as the effects of the fall? Well, we see in Genesis 3.14, the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and she shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Here we have the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel Preached after the fall, God preaches a gospel that a redeemer will come, right, to rescue sinful man. Then verse 16, listen to this. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. We're going to look at this when we get to 1 Timothy 2.12. And then to Adam, he says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you in pain. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you. And, and so the results of the fall is the areas that were supposed to give them the most satisfaction became the areas that gave them the most pain. Mm. The man in his productivity as the head and yes. provider, now it would be a task for him to do so. And the woman in her relationships with her husband and her children would actually be two areas that were painful now, that should have brought the most blessings, would now be the areas that caused the most pain.
2: Now, I just saw the um, Pilgrim's Progress movie, and the, the the idea comes to me is that the whole movie basically promises there's a really hard path I gotta set out, and we try to get off that path. And so in a sense, yes, the fall did affect it. It's just that when we try to do what God wants, it's harder than doing what the world wants us to do. And so some people's arguments are going to be, well, it's difficult. Well, what if I have a bad husband? What if, you know, I I can't submit. Then you could be
0: like pliable.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What did he say? Um. Uh, um. I can always change my mind, and so and so and so. We yes. have too
3: many pliable Christians, right? Say, so, we don't so, need anymore.
2: So as we go through the podcast, we're going to hear a lot of the arguments that people say is it's hard, or that's not realistic, or that's not how society is. That's the point. We have to depend upon God to help us to achieve what we were supposed to do before the fall.
0: Yes, and so why do you think men don't walk in biblical headship?
2: Because it's hard. Because it's difficult. Because because, because our natural inclination is to abd- abdicate the authority God has given us. Do
0: you think that it could be
3: at times that men are scripturally ignorant? Yes. They just don't know. Because it's not being taught. In a lot of churches, we live in an egalitarian culture. They're not being taught that men should be the heads of their homes, the disciplers of their children, because that's the youth pastor's job, So you just dump your kids off to somebody else to do it, right? And they're supposed to be the heads of their home, and they're supposed to be leaders in the church because we see that those leadership positions in the church are being given to women. And so men are losing the concept of what it means to be a biblical man. And so if you have a pastor who keeps telling men to act like men, but those very pastors now give those positions to women— they're kind of tearing down what they're trying to build up. Act like a man. This is what you're supposed to be. But we're going to give these positions to women.
2: And 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 when I was first saved, you know, and I was happy to be. And I and I knew. I read and I was kind of understanding about what biblical. I didn't have it modeled. So it's not even just teaching. It's, it's, there's We don't have the model for it. They were not being discipled in that way. Just like you're saying, we're giving two different images. Yeah. This is what the Bible says, but this is how we really live it out. In regular everyday life,
3: and so they're modeling being a man by showing that women usurp the authority of men because now we're going to put a woman over you,
2: and that's where the confusion comes from, and not from the Bible. The Bible is very clear.
0: Yeah, and so I think is it perhaps some men have been told, but they just don't know actually how to do it. True, that's what I was well. saying.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a whole other you know podcast. I think you know, <laughs> yeah, how, how to be a biblical man. Um, a
0: church divided against itself cannot stand. I mm-hmm. mean, if you're, you know, confusing the roles in the church, I mean, how's that supposed to be a healthy place to to uh, to walk with God? I don't think it is.
2: I would say, yeah, that's where we get a lot of these problems because there are basically four spheres that we're under. We're under the world, the government, the church, and and fa- and the family. Yes.
0: Yep. And so there's confusion sometimes within those spheres, Mm -hmm. but, uh, let's kind of take one at a time. So what about when we look in the church, eldership is given to who, according to the word of God, men only men only. So in the church, are women
3: able to teach Well, yes, they are, but only in a specific context. Where do we see in the Bible where women are told they're not allowed to take on the roles that men are given? So 1 Timothy chapter 3 talks about
0: eldership. Yes. Right? And the husband of one wife. And then you see he, he, he over and over. So it's masculine in what it's saying. But
3: even before we get to chapter 3, we need to back up to chapter 2. Read it. So if we go to chapter 2, right? What verse? Look, starting at verse 8. So even before we start in verse 8, if you look at um, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, yes, this is the reason why Paul is writing 1 Timothy. Right? We need to understand authorial intent. What's the purpose of the book? What's Paul's purpose in writing? And look what he says. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things. Now, these things we're going to go back and look at. right, To you so that, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and buttress of the truth. So Paul is writing First Timothy to show us how we're to behave in the church. Yes. How Who is to behave? Let's go back to chapter 2, verse 8. I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting up holy hands, without anger or quarreling. Paul says I desire that men should pray lift up holy hands without anger or quarreling, right? Cuz men are prone to fight and get angry and quarrel. And likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with that which is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. So men are prone to get angry, right? So Paul addresses men and says, you're prone to get angry, but instead do this. Mm. Women are prone to use their sexuality to gain attention, Mm. their beauty and dress in a way to draw attention to themselves. And Paul says, don't be like that. Instead, dress in a way that's proper for a godly woman to dress.
2: And think about this. He's addressing our, we're equal, but we have distinctions,
3: Yes. And then he says, let a woman learn quietly, verse 11, with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Now, here we go. So he says, likewise, women are to dress modestly and to be submissive and learn quietly and not to usurp the authority over men in roles of authoritative teaching. This was the sinful tendency of women, and we see that back in Genesis 3.16. Remember, we just read, he said to the woman in the curse, Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Moses uses a Hebrew word which translates as desire. This word is only used two times in Genesis, and both times the desire is used in a negative connotation. He uses it in Genesis 3.16 with the woman, but then he uses it in Genesis 4.7. Listen to this. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Listen, its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So, Paul is basically telling the women in First Timothy. he's saying, "Don't be like Eve. Don't use that dominant propensity to usurp authority that Eve had to dominate over her husband. that sin wanted to dominate over Cain. This is an evil desire. It's not a good desire. So don't be like that." Now, there was some cultural issues going on right?
2: yeah, Glenn? so so imagine at that time, in that culture of Rome, women had no authority. They were, they, they were considered lesser than the man. Not, not, not the way we would do in distinctions of roles, but just, they were just le- lesser. They were not equal. Now, with the understanding of the gospel, they came to realize that they were equal. And now they were actually took it a step further and they were trying to assume authoritative roles that God had not. So
3: they were the first egalitarians. <laughs> they were the first egalitarians,
2: exactly. And, and, and my point is, so God, Paul was addressing that but using the Genesis order to deal with it.
0: Right. But many people uh, kind of create this wrong cultural understanding that Paul was dealing with some cultural mess at the time
3: and he was cleaning it up here mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. But but it was cultural, but Paul based his premise mm-hmm. not on culture, but on what?
0: He went back to the garden. He based it on God's order of creation. It says, "For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not wow, deceived, yeah. but then the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So, if that was the issue, if there was some cultural issue mainly that was the issue, surely Paul would have focused on that. But he focused on creation
2: again. Amen, amen. And 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 in their in their argument to say it's cultural, they're doing the same things the people in Timothy did. First Timothy did.
0: They're just repeating it again. Yeah." Yeah, right. And so women do have a vital role in the church. Absolutely. And one yeah. of the things they can absolutely do is older women teach the younger women. And I think that that's not just focusing on chronological age, but also maturity. More mature women teach the less mature women. And what are they to teach them according to Titus chapter two? Let's look there. Well, this is so beautiful. Look at this. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, mm. not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women, not their husbands, to love their husbands and children. Come under authority. There it is. And to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and look at here it is again, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm, mm. he goes back to it again. Right. Right? So God's created order. God's created structure. I think we should move to what does it look like in the home? Now that we yeah, look but in the church?
3: before we leave chapter two, Paul has one big thought. Yes. The roles of men and women in the church. And we see that with men, don't be angry, but pray. Women, don't try to dominate, but submit and learn. And then he goes on to chapter three. Remember, there was no chapter and verses. It's the same thought. He says women should not desire to be in a position of leadership over men. But if anyone does desire to be an elder or a leader, it's actually a good thing in chapter three. And then Paul gives the qualifications. He must be the husband of one, on wife. one wife. So we have to understand that in the church, God has ordained complementary roles between men and women. Men are to be the leaders in the church, and women are to be those who are helpers to the leaders, but they shouldn't take on those roles of leadership. And you know, it's interesting when you look
0: at 1 Timothy chapter 3, when he talks about pastors, elders, overseers, where does God pluck them out from? Where do they have to, what's the proving grounds for this? The home. The The home, the family. Yeah, Yeah. Right? And so here's what it says. It says, therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, not the reverse, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not gentle, not I'm sorry, not violent, <laughs> but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household Whoa, repeat that. Well. Repeat that. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, for if someone does not know how to manage
3: his own household, how will he care for God's church?
2: Mm, mm, he can't.
3: He mm, can't do it. Yeah. So, and the same with deacons in verse 12, the deacon must be the husband of one wife. Yes. So the roles of elders and deacons are reserved for men. Why? Because mm. men are better? No. It's God's design. Mm,
0: yes. Mm. And it's just so sad in this day and age, in this culture, um, The church is many times not teaching the truth, or some local churches are not teaching the truth as to man's authority in the home over his wife and over his children. Now, the woman does have authority in the home
3: in what field, in what realm? Over her children. Amen. Right, yeah. so, and over you when you come in your house with dirty shoes, take yeah. them off. Yeah. So there the household go.
2: itself is is her purview.
3: That's her domain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the boss domain. in the house. Mm-hmm. Though you're the head, she's the boss in the house. She kind of runs the house. Exactly.
2: And and so and I think this is a good point and a good starting point of some of the misconceptions that the egalitarian view has is. When we say that a woman is supposed to be submissive, right, it's, it's, it's in the context of the home, in the context of that marriage relationship. And so, like, sometimes I counsel people who are single and I say, okay, they're looking for a, a submissive wife. And they're like, he, she's not submiss- submiss- submitting to me. But you're not married. Yeah, you're not married, right? <laughs> the submission is for a woman to her husband not yes. to her, or to not her to father. to her girlfriend. Yeah, right, or to her father, not to every guy that's around. And so I think the misconception in the church is that if you are saying women are supposed to be submissive, it's in all areas at all times. No, 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 it's in specific instances. Because who are we ultimately all submissive to? Christ. Christ. Yes. Right? So we got to do what's going to be godly for Christ and not to any man that walks up to you and says, I want you to go sit down. That's not how it works.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. So my wife wouldn't have to submit to Steve Langella. No. But— but she would to Peter in the church because Peter is one of the elders.
3: Exactly. Amen. So Amen. in the church, Peter's the authority. Yes. Amen. Not in your home. Not You're in my the home. authority. Exactly. Right, right.
2: And, 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 and I always say to a woman, I say, okay, I know you have a problem with submitting to a man. Why would you marry or be in a relationship with someone that you wouldn't trust your life with, who you wouldn't trust to make a decision to help you? And I think that's where it gets all skewed. We're not forcing you to marry someone who's going to just boss it over you. You are choosing someone to be an authority over And you.
0: what I love is I love that God has established a system of authority where mm. Christ is the head and beneath Christ the head, you have the husband, beneath the husband, you have the wife, and beneath the wife, you have the children. And if everyone like lines up under the authority, I mean, there's protection for everybody.
3: Well, well, let's go to that verse, Phil. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. Mm. Now, a lot of egalitarians will argue that head simply means source, not authority. So Ephesians 5.21 says this. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So here in Ephesians 5.21, we see mutual submission.
0: That's for anybody in the church, yeah. per se. So
3: egalitarians will argue that we don't sub- wives don't submit to their husbands, but we submit to one another. Because here we have a verse talking about mutual submission. And it is true. There is mutual submission within the body of Christ. We do submit to one another. But what is the very next verse, say, Phil, in 522? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So mutual submission to one another, but then he goes right ahead. And is he contradicting himself? Definitely not. Right. Because what you have is
0: you have that the youngest believer in the church or my own wife can tell me that I'm doing something unbiblical and have the full authority of God to say that. But here in the home, wives are to submit to their own husband as to the Lord, because it's not. That she's now bringing to me something that I've done wrong. It's now me leading my wife under the authority
2: of God. And, and you talked about hypocrisy. And, and, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about, well, Jesus submitted himself to God. Exactly. And in, in, in John uh, 17, he, he talks about in verse, uh, verse 4, he said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. He sounds like he submitted himself to God's authority, and he's, he says, I'm doing what you've told me to do. He says, verse 5, and now, Father, glorify you me with your own self for the glory which I had with the the world has. And he continues to go on about, I have done all the things you've told me to do. I have, And he's modeling for us how we should be submissive. So if Christ is the highest authority for us, and he submitted himself to God the Father, He's calling us to do, or uh, women to do, what he himself has done.
0: And look what Paul continues to say in Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty-three: "For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior." Then he continues: "Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands."
2: Amen, amen. You talked about how. The blessings that God gave the men and women is now their punishment. And in a way, it's reversing it back. If you submit to your husband, you're, you're going back before the fall. Mm-hmm. You're, you're following God's purview at that point.
3: So the blessing in marriage and the blessing in childbearing... Comes by roles of submission. When there's no submit, when children don't submit to the parents, there's nothing but pain and turmoil in the house. Mm -hmm. When wives don't submit to their husbands, then there's nothing but pain and turmoil in the house. And when husbands don't love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, Mm. there's pain and turmoil in the house. So all of the pain and turmoil that comes in family, in marriage, is because people do not follow God's ordained plan for roles of submission and authority within the creation of church and family.
2: Amen. Once again, Feminism and men abdicating their roles. Feminism, is where women are trying to overthrow God's order, and sub and men subjugate themselves when they should not.
0: Yeah. So when it says here, wives should submit in everything to their husbands. If a husband If a husband tells their wife to do something ungodly,
3: ought she do it? No, no. because he's. As he submits to Christ, she submits to him. Yeah. The minute he stops submitting to Christ and then begins to tell his wife to do something that's ungodly, then by God's standard, she says, no, I cannot sin against God, and therefore I can't obey you. Right, because she would be disobeying God yeah.
0: by obeying her husband, who's not in submission well, to God. Well, we see
3: this in another sphere, in government. Yeah. What happened mm-hmm. in Acts when they told Peter to stop preaching in this name? They said, we would rather obey God than than men, men. Yes. so we can't stop preaching in his name. Though the authorities told them to stop it, they were going by a greater authority, God's word, who already told them to go and preach the gospel to all nations.
2: But but what about in government? I mean, can a woman be president? Can a woman be prime minister? Sure. Would the the Bible have a problem with that?
3: No, not at all.
2: Mm.
3: We see women uh, I mean, wasn't Deborah a
2: leader? You know, we should go to Deborah because that—that's—that's that's what they use as the argument um, for. Well, there's there's woman leaders, and in a and, and I know you said that in a spiritual sense, but she was a prophet. You know, how, we should address that. We will, but let's
3: let's let's address this, and then we'll look at some uh, objections. Mm. So one of the verses that they object to, Glenn, is Galatians three twenty eight. Mm. An egalitarian will use this verse and say that there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female, for you are all one in Christ. So what they'll say is that, okay, so there is no male or female in Christ. So anything that a man can do, a female should be able to do. What's the problem with that? What they're doing is they're pulling this verse out of context to make it a proof text to prove their point. What is the book of Galatians about? What is Paul addressing in the book of Galatians? Heresies. Heresies against the gospel. Yes. Right? It's the the, the subject is salvation, not gender roles. Oh. So there were these Judaizers who were telling Gentiles if you really want to be a Christian, you have to really become Jewish first mm. and get circumcised so that you can become a real Christian. Paul would have none of it and said, no. In salvation, when it comes to salvation in Christ, there are no male, no female, no Jew, nor Greek, no slave, nor free. So the context is about salvation, Valued. and God is no respecter of person when yeah. it comes to salvation,
2: now, now, not gender roles. Now, Paul had just said Jews and Greeks, then you can come later on and say, well, he didn't, well, women are inferior. Yeah. So he has, he's addressing any way that you can try to um, sp- split up the gospel, and it's a protection for women. Yes. It's a protection. Uh, most Absolutely. of this is a protection for women. It, yeah, it,
0: so they got to pull that kicking, screaming out of its context.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so make it and, and I would and say it we're equal says. in sin.
3: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think we should. Amen. <laughs> um, so, some of the objections against complementarianism are found in verses in the
2: Bible. Mm.
3: So some of the New Testament verses they point to are um, wait
2: wait. Verses, right? Not chapters, not books. No, right? no, it's okay. verses. They're, and they're obscure
3: <laughs> verses. That's the thing. So they, they go to verses that are hard to understand. They're, mm. They're, they're, mm. They're, there's controversy over these verses. They're not clear, mm. but they use those verses to push their egalitarian uh, ideology. Right. So the first one is the deaconess Phoebe, Romans chapter 16,
0: verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centuria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of
3: many, and of myself as well. So it says that she was a servant, right, Phil? Mm -hmm. Yes. That word in Greek is deacon or deaconess, correct? So people will say, see, Phoebe was a deaconess. Well, there's a problem. That word can mean servant or deacon. Was she just a servant? Because everyone's a servant in the Lord, mm. right? But we have a problem because Paul specifically says in 1 Timothy 3.12, let deacons each be the husband of one wife.
2: Are you talking about same-sex marriage? Is that, a, <laughs> is that a verse we can use for that?
3: Well, you can't because the same qualifications of an elder is to be the husband of one wife. Paul uses the same argument for a deacon that he must be the husband of one wife
2: mm.
3: another woman they look at another verse is Romans chapter 16 verse 7 Glenn do you have that
2: yeah it's uh basically it says salute adronicus and junia my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who are also who also were in Christ before me
3: so what they say is junia not junior <laughs> but junia mm. all right a woman mm-hmm. like right she's outstanding among the apostles so what they're saying is that she's among the apostles as an apostle mm. another translation says that she is well known by the apostles mm. so the verse is not clear it's not it doesn't specifically say she's an apostle so these are not clear verses that they go to. But let me just jump in. What we have to do is we have to interpret the unclear by the clear. Exactly. And so the only verses that we have, put it this way, are there any verses in the New Testament where we see women ordained in the office of an apostle? Negative.
2: Not in my Bible.
3: Is there any verses in the New Testament where we see women are ordained into the office of an elder?
2: Not no. in my Bible. Or a deacon? No. no.
3: What is the only verse in the New Testament about women elders?
2: There, there is one? Oh, you mean 1 <laughs> Timothy when it says there. it can't
3: be? The only verse in the Bible that talks about a woman being in a position of authority forbids It says exactly. a woman should not have authority yes. over a man. Right. So egalitarians come with a concept in their mind. And they go to the Bible to try to find these verses to support their view. But they're very obscure verses. Why? Because there's no clear verse that they can point to to say, here, look, ordain women as elders. It's just not there. Presupposition alert. Presupposition alert. So now we go to the Old Testament.
0: And and,
2: and, and before you even go there, real quick. And 1 Timothy is saying there should be silence, not subjection. And now you're saying he contradicts himself by stating a woman who should be teaching everybody because she's an apostle. Yes. Yeah,
3: yeah it, it just doesn't make sense. So now we have uh, Old Testament prophets mm. or Old Testament prophetesses. We have five women in the Old Testament who are named prophetesses, right? Glenn, we have Miriam, Exodus 15, verse 20. So we're not going to read that, but Glenn, what did Miriam try to do that caused her to be stricken with leprosy?
2: Well basically she tried to usurp the authority of Moses. Exactly. Right? And so um and she and she and you could say she was one of the prominent people It was Moses, it was Aaron and it was her and she tried to usurp his authority and she was punished for it. That's exactly. another example of leadership. In The Bible, where it was not done in the right way,
3: so she's like, God doesn't just speak through you, He speaks through us as well. <laughs> yes. Egalitarianism, we're right. equal, yes. And God didn't strike Aaron,
0: mm.
3: He struck Miriam,
2: mm.
0: leprosy, right? Mm.
3: Next, we have Deborah Phil in Judges chapter 4, verse 4. Now, here we have a woman who actually was a leader in Israel, was she not? Mm.
0: She was a leader.
3: Now Deborah, a prophetess,
0: the wife of Lebedoth, was judging Israel at the time.
2: Now, before before you go too quick into it, all were all the judges examples of that we should be following, like not, Samson. Not at all, you know.
3: Negative. Not at all.
2: And now I love Samson as the example because Samson was a judge. How was his leadership, and and in, in what way was he a good leader to the people of Israel? He was a buff womanizer, <laughs> you know. Yeah, he spent his time sleeping around and destroying stuff and being very, very selfish. And it's only at the very end where he does anything commendable. Yes. Uh, so, so she's a leader, but not necessarily the leader. That w- it's it's not a leadership in the sense that she was the dictating anything. Basically, the way we read Deborah is God tells her to go tell Bar- Barak to go do something.
0: Right. But this prophetess doesn't hold a leadership position in the temple, does, does no.
2: She? no and she wasn't and she wasn't a military leader either.
0: And what about in what we call the hall of faith in the book of Hebrews? Does
3: it mention Deborah there? No, no. in verse eleven thirty-two. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Deborah, and Samson. Oh no, it says Gideon, Barak and Samson. Yes. So Barak was Doing what Glenn said before, you have women trying to take on positions of authority and men doing what?
2: Abdicating. This. Yes.
3: And so here's Barack, a leader, because in her song, Deborah says, the leaders led, mm, yes. right? She sings her song, the leaders led. And so she was trying to get Barack to take his position as the leader and to go and fight Sisera.
2: And what did He's, he say?
3: I, I don't want to go unless you come with <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> right? And she goes, okay, I'm going to come with you. But now a woman is going to get the glory. And J.L. kills Cesara by seducing him to hide in her tent. And she drives the peg through his head. Ouch. Exactly. So the issue here wasn't she wasn't trying to take the glory. Mm. Right? Mm. She was calling the men to take their position. And Hebrews mentions Barak and not Deborah, so we can't use Deborah as an example, but we can use her as an example that God loves
2: to use women. And 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 look, I just want to beat it over the head that the way that she led was to kind of push the man to do what he's supposed to do. Exactly. It was so the so the person that you're using as an example is actually behaving the way that we're telling you complementarianism says we should
0: well check this out i know in history richard Wurmbrand, the one who voiced the martyrs i guess was founded after um, when they said that uh, i think it was in romania that communism and christianity can coexist and, and work together uh, she said to her husband, you need to stand up and say something. He said, if I say something, they're going to beat me up and throw me in jail. She goes, you better say something because I don't want people to think I married a coward
3: as mm. a husband. And
2: Ouch. and and, 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 and you, you preach, Steve, and you're you're Pastor Phil. Does your wives play no role in what you do?
3: My wife is a, a huge help. My wife teaches as well. Exactly. And so my wife is a gifted teacher and teaches the women and she teaches faithfully.
2: And, and would you say a part of being a preacher or a pastor is having people over here in your home? Absolutely. How, how does that work if your wife is not helping you in that? Because sure. we know Phil cannot cook. <laughs> True story. I can make
0: a mean breakfast, but my talent ends there. <laughs> he makes a mean bowl of
2: Wheaties. That's about yeah, it. And, so, and, so so like, and, and I don't want to just attack, 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 attack. I'm saying complementarism works. It's, 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 it's needed. It's necessary.
3: Continue. Yeah. It continues. Right? So we, now we have another woman called Hulda. In 2 Kings, chapter 22, verses 14 through 20, and here we have Josiah, and they find the law, and they read it to Josiah, and he was convicted, and he tore his clothes, and he said, go find a prophetess to tell us what the word of the Lord is. So they go to this woman named Huldah, who's married to the keeper of the wardrobe, and she prophesies to him. Now, who is she married to? The keeper Keeper of of the the wardrobe. wardrobe. She's not a leader. Right. Mm. But yet God uses her tremendously to be a blessing to the king who is the leader. So Huldah is a prophetess, but she's not a leader. Next, we have Isaiah's wife, Isaiah chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. But we have no record of anything she said, Mm. only that she was married to Isaiah, and he called her the prophetess, and she gave birth to his children. Mm. So we can't really appeal to Isaiah's wife because she didn't say anything.
2: And, and, and all these things prove is that God uses women too. Exactly. Amen. What's wrong with that?
3: And the last one we have is Nodiah in Nehemiah 6.14. And we don't want to use her. Why? <laughs> because she's a false prophet. She prophesied and she was against Nehemiah and she was named with other false prophets. Mm-hmm. So here we have... Examples of the Old Testament, yet none of them held a position of leadership in the temple, right? None of them were spiritual leaders over the people of Israel, right? Yet God used them tremendously. So what we want to say here is we are all for God using women. Amen. Right? God uses women in the church. God uses women in the home. Some women are gifted, amazing teachers. Some women are better teachers than men. Yes. Right? I mean, really. Women are gifted, amazingly gifted in the church. The church could never be what it is today without women.
2: Or the home or the world.
3: Exactly. Jesus' ministry was funded by women. Women were a huge part of the ministry of Christ. So we're not saying that women have no part or place in the kingdom or that God cannot use women. We're just saying that the Bible is very clear that there are distinct roles of men and women within the church and the church functions best when we stay in our lanes and live out our lives doing the very thing that God created us to do and in the roles that he created us to function in. So in other words, there's not a single verse in all
0: the scripture where God commands, suggests, or instructs a woman to be ordained as an elder or a deacon. And the only passage about women elders in the New Testament is 1 Timothy 2.12 where they are forbidden from doing so. Exactly, exactly. Paul doesn't speak out of both sides of his mouth. No. So we have like tons of examples of women that God has used mightily in the scriptures. What about Jochebed? What did she do in the book of Exodus? She saved Moses from dying when they were killing all of the children and God caused Moses to be raised up as the deliverer.
2: Also Esther, when she she goes before the throne of God and teaches us how we can approach God and without she risks her she her
3: life
0: yeah, to yeah, approach yeah, the yeah, king. God
2: used her to save all those people. And listen to
0: this one: A woman at Bethany anoints Christ. The disciples are upset, and Jesus commends her. And this is what he says about her act: "Wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her." Matthew twenty-six, and verse six.
2: Oh yeah, and when and when Jesus was crucified, right, and he died, it was it was all, all the all the apostles were the ones who were believed and went to the grave, right? Is that is that true or no?
0: No, it was the women who mm. were there, and uh, they were the ones who noticed that Christ was arisen from the dead, and they proclaimed that.
2: And even when they went to tell the apostles, they didn't believe them. They were like, "Oh no, you're you know you're making this up."
0: Right. This is incredible because the first people to discover the resurrected Christ, the scared, the scattered, skeptical skeptical disciples make no effort to give Jesus a proper burial mm-hmm. instead a member of the Jewish ruling body Joseph of Arimathea buries Christ and then two days later while the men are in hiding the women go down and discover the empty tomb and the risen Christ mm. and who wrote all that down by the way was it the women who wrote all that down
2: no it was the men
0: it was the men yeah so this was like embarrassing testimony right. so it's got to be true
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean we have look at Acts 18 Apollos was preaching and he began to speak boldly in verse 26 in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila, who does he name first? Priscilla. To mm-hmm. Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Mm. Priscilla taught a man. Right?
2: And, I, and I believe, like especially in the black community, that one of the things was a lot of men were not going to church. And so the women were like, well, we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. We have no pastor. We'll be the pastor. And so I, I, I don't want to sit here and say women are just bad. The Where were the men?
3: It's true. The men were not taking their role.
2: Yeah, yeah. and And Priscilla, what did she do? She... She, she taught him. Yeah,
3: she heard Apollos preaching and said, "Okay, yeah. he's good, but he's off."
2: Yeah, exactly. So Apollos,
3: come over here. Me and my husband want to correct you. Mm-hmm. So husband and wife teamed together, both of them. They named her first, corrected Apollos, and taught him the way of God more accurately. So we're not saying that a woman cannot teach a man. Mm-hmm. A woman can teach a man. A woman just cannot be a pastor and have a teaching role that has authority over a man in the local church. Yes,
2: and and, it, and in second sorry in Second Timothy one five it was. Paul commended Timothy of learning about the gospel from, learning from, from his grandmother, Louis and his mother, Eunice. My mother's name is Eunice as well. Ah, so nice.
1: <laughs>
0: and what about this? Jesus himself commended the Seraphonician woman for her faith mm. when she asked Christ to heal her daughter, which he did. Mm. And then Christ healed Jairus's daughter, Peter's mother-in-law, so much for the unmarried popes there, even though the Pope is in an official biblical office and the women with the issue of blood that Christ healed is a tremendous example of the gospel. How is that? Because she realized she had a problem and she reached out to the Savior. Uh, I, Our greatest read, read examples
3: of faith in the Bible came yeah. from women.
2: That's what I was just going to say. Jesus <sighs> wow. constantly, the, 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 the Gentile woman who says, even the scraps of the table of the master, and he said, I've never seen such great faith in all of Israel. That's right, that's right. And, and the woman, I'm sorry, and the woman that washes his, his feet with her, with her tears in her hair. Yes. Come on. I mean, the Bible is filled with, with God's love for women, showing the importance of women. And I think the egalitarian view makes you read the Bible as if it's not supporting
3: yeah so loving. we're not the he-man women's hater club we're yeah. not spanky alfalfa and buckwheat here saying that we hate women <laughs> you know it's not the little rascals
2: you know i don't I, yeah we all love we all i married know, one exactly 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 because otherwise i'd have to say the views expressed by phil and steve are not representative of
0: <laughs> yeah i mean jesus spoke of the woman of zarephath to whom elijah was sent during a famine and it was a woman that gave more honor to christ than a man named Simon in Luke chapter seven, verse 44.
2: And so, and and so before we finish, I would just like to say, we want complementarianism is just as bad as egalitarianism. If it's not done in love with yes. the furtherance of the gospel as the goal.
3: Yes. Yes. It's not a, it's not a women. It's not about what women can't do. Mm. Right. Right. It's the roles that God has created us to function in, and tells us the things we can do for the kingdom Amen. because it's teamwork. We're all working on the same team to advance the gospel and the kingdom of God. And so the catcher doesn't try to pitch when he's the catcher, right? The first baseman doesn't try to play outfield when he's never played the outfield. Each team member takes his position on the field and they work as a team together Mm -hmm. to win. And yeah. Jesus already won, <laughs> but he chose us to work in his vineyard, right and he has specific roles for us to do.
2: so we're back in the garden. let's fulfill what God had originally had for us in the garden.
0: So what how do we apply these things in the in the church, in the world, in the home, in society? Well, the first thing is men need to stop. Acquiescing to their wives and need to be leaders of their homes. Mm. They need to be shepherds of their homes, the prophet, the priest, the protector, the prophet of their homes, bringing the word of God to their homes, caring for their children, loving their wives as Christ loves the church. Women need to submit to their husbands as unto Christ because a house divided against itself cannot stand. Mm-hmm. In the local church, Men need to take their rightful positions as leaders, but not all men are called to be leaders, but the men that are called to be leaders must lead and they must lead well and they must lead like Christ. And before you pick up a preacher's suit, you need to pick up a servant's towel like Christ did and be willing to wash the feet of those that you are shepherding. And so women, realize that God's role for you is great and it's vast and it's godly and it's under his authority. And so make sure that you're discipling women in the church. How many women don't know how to love their husbands and take care of their children and take care of the things in the home? So teach them, bring them under your wing and mentor them and disciple them and disciple your children because they need to know what a godly woman looks like. The daughters need to know what a godly woman looks like. And your sons need to know what to look for in a godly wife. And so they're going to be looking at you to find the answer to that question that is in their hearts. And so in the home and in the church, women need to take their rightful positions so that they can carry out God's design and God's role for them. Yes, we're all equal in God's sight, in value, and in personhood, in the body of Christ. But in order to honor God, we must walk in the roles that He has given us, and stay in our lane. I'd like to close with Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God,
1: what is good and acceptable and perfect. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You could also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishyministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It.